0: listening to The Calling. Before we get started today, I just want to point out, God is awesome. I mean, we have the only God who is with us day in and day out, and I don't know about you, but I'm able to walk through my day-to-day with confidence knowing that we have a Lord and Savior who's walking with me. I also want to share a testimony of God's presence involving someone on my wife's side of the family. This young lady, she's in her 30s. She's a mother of three And she was admitted into the hospital with COVID-19. The infection forced her to be placed on a ventilator. And as the infection worsened, she needed to be sedated and placed in the prone position, meaning she had to lay on her stomach because every time they would lay her on her back, her oxygen levels would dip dangerously low. The family feared the worst. The hospital communicated the worst. But she was lifted in prayer by various members of the body of Christ, and we hope for an intervention that only God can produce. Over a week in the hospital, she returned to her home and family, making a full recovery. Amen. God is great. I want to share this because we're living in such a godless world, such a world that wants to blaspheme God for for not being present, who want to put our ideas and thoughts and other things. I just wanted to point out that God is still with us. His presence is still here. He is still listening to you and your prayers. Amen. Amen. Our last time we were together, we reviewed the need to address our foundation. We examined how Nehemiah and the Jews began to rebuild their walls while encountering opposition. We discussed the need to build our walls on the rock foundation through the words of Christ Jesus. We closed last time reading Paul's warning that our foundations will be examined on the day of judgment, which is why we need to address them now. Lord willing, this week we'll continue to explore Nehemiah and grow together in faith as we seek out God's reassurances today. Have you ever been spooked and needed reassurance before moving forward? Maybe you needed to equip yourself with something to give you the confidence before you could proceed For example, I remember as a kid, I would arm myself with a flashlight when walking in the dark and every sound I heard had my immediate and illuminated attention. I remember grabbing a baseball bat when I heard the crash in my basement and I remember making sure I had a buddy standing with me when I was engaged in a confrontation. With all of these examples lies an element of fear. This emotional and psychological response that triggers a physical reaction to the world around us. And it prompts us to seek out the need for reassurance that everything is going to be alright. I was around the age of 13 when my friend and I, we walked from my house to his late at night. Now, we both live in well-lit neighborhoods. However, there was a stretch of a very dark wooded area. And the dirt path that waved its way through the middle of this area... It was pretty creepy at night. As we approached the entrance of this darkened path, we were faced with a choice. We could go back or we could keep moving forward. As our nerves began to twitch and we began to demonstrate our fear by arguing who's going to go first, we made a decision. Now I'm sure you can relate to a time you were afraid as well as a time you had to arm yourself for reassurance to help cope with your distress. Maybe it was a weapon, literally. Or maybe it was a tool or a person. For some, it's a vaccine that you've received to help keep your mental balance and overcome the fear of a situation. Regardless, we all become afraid during situations in our lives. And it's during these times we address this by equipping ourselves in an attempt to obtain reassurance. With that, let us shift our focus of our minds to God's word and invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts as we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 4. Now you may recall, Nehemiah has returned to his home in Jerusalem to rebuild the walls that have been destroyed because of how people were living their lives within them. At this time, the work has started and the enemy has begun to resist and deter the work from being completed. And it is written, in Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. But when Shambalat Tobiah, the Arabs, the Anamites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the walls and exposed places hosting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked over things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. When I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Amen. Now, before we go any further, let's just acknowledge and appreciate how awesome Nehemiah is. I mean, he's a bad mother. Woo. You know, an OG that can make William Wallace get goosebumps. I mean, this dude got my adrenaline bubbling, and I'm not even building a wall. And when his people became fearful, God equipped them with the reassurance that he is with them. The very real fear of being attacked is no joke, and as a result, the Jews take up arms. Hammer in one hand, sword in the other. I also want to call your attention to the instruction Nehemiah gives the people. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. This applies to you and I as we build, repair, or rebuild our inner temple. The enemy is going to attack us and distract us. And it's during these times we need to sound the trumpet. But more importantly than sounding the trumpet is responding to the call to arms. The call to help your brother and sister in Christ. Amen amen more so than an armed workforce i want to focus on the underlying issues here after the enemy's attempt to hackle and mock fails to disrupt the work the enemy progresses to the threat of physical violence the threat of death those of us who have committed to the work of christ know this progression well and we've discussed it a few months ago when reviewing spiritual attacks Nehemiah gives the workers peace of mind, they need to keep their focus and keep working by equipping them, just like God equips us to help us keep our focus on his work. To help us really process the point of God's presence and reassurance, let us travel to Judges and review Gideon. Beginning in Judges chapter 6, we learn that Gideon is the smallest member of the smallest family of the smallest tribe. Essentially, he's a nobody. He's no royalty, he's not famous. He's just a dude threshing wheat in a wine press, which has to be miserable. If you're unfamiliar with this story, you learn that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so he handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. During this time, the Midianites essentially starved the Israelites by destroying their crops. As a result, people at like Gideon were forced to hide their wheat and wine cellars. Gideon receives his call To be god's messenger but his response is very human gideon wants some proof he wants some reassurances that god is truly with him and we're going to pick up in verse 15 of chapter 6 it is written but lord gideon replied how can i rescue israel my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of manasseh and i am the least of my entire family the lord said to him i will be with you and you will destroy the midianites as if you were fighting against one man Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until i come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat with a basket of flour. He baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, "Place the meat and unleavened bread on this rock, and pour the broth over it." And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of his staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Now Gideon is afraid; he's a little intimidated by this initial request from the angel of the Lord. After all, he's considered a nobody. Now, some of us may have a greater self-image of ourselves, but could you imagine God sending an angel to deliver a message to you that you're going to rescue a nation? I bet you would do exactly what Gideon does. You'd ask for proof. You would want to know for certain that this is a godly task and not some form of mental collapse because you're threshing wheat in a wine cellar. How many of us receive direction from God but become hesitant and ask for proof? We fast, we pray, we fast again, and we stress over what God is asking us to do, don't we? I know I've done this. I'd still do this. And after receiving the initial confirmation, Gideon gets the courage to remove the altar of Baal and build an altar to the Lord. But that confidence is short-lived. Because the armies of the enemy show up, and Gideon once again needs more proof that God is with him. We learn in Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 36, it is written, Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with the dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. See, It wasn't enough to see the sacrifice accepted. Heck, it wasn't even enough to see the wool fleece soaked on dry ground. Gideon needs further reassurance. Just like you and I. We get caught up in our thoughts of what ifs. That we need God to show us time and time again that he is with us. We ask God to prove it to us that we are understanding him correctly. Now it's very important to understand Gideon is not testing God. He's not challenging God to prove to him God is God. He is simply asking God to reassure him, to remove those anxieties associated with leading a people against a much larger invading force. The fears of challenging a people who put their faith in other things. And God knows this difference, and he knows what he's about to ask of Gideon. The second thing to take away from this is that God is patient and understanding of us. God knows us better than we know us, which is why he is able to remain patient with our continued questions. God reassures Gideon because he's about to equip him with just enough to remove all doubt. God is with him. And with that, we're going to start in Judges chapter 7. And we learn that Gideon's army is about 32,000 men strong, and they marched out to meet the enemy. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving about 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine. Who will go with you and who will not? When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup their water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like a dog. And the other group put all those who kneeled down and drank with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 men drank with their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and the rams, horns of the other warriors, and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. So Gideon's army was reduced from 32,000 to just 300. Why? Because God needed to reassure these men new victory comes through the Lord. Because we often find ourselves accepting that victory instead of praising God. The 32,000 men would have aligned themselves with Gideon, not God. And it's not until Gideon addresses his fear that he's able to proceed with confidence that God has equipped him for victory. We do the same thing. Fear creates that doubt in our life and it's not until we obtain the reassurances. It's not until we obtain the equipment necessary do we stand with confidence To stand firm before the enemy. God knew that he was about to deliver victory with just a handful of men, but before Gideon would have the confidence to do so, before he would have the courage to stand for God, he needed to be reassured that he was standing with God. Amen. Amen. Now, fast forward to Nehemiah and ask yourself do you think Nehemiah and the wall builders would have kept their focus on the need for God's protection? if they had a standing army guarding them while they worked? No, they wouldn't. Heck, they wouldn't have even started the work in the first place had Nehemiah not shown up and proclaimed the presence and will of the Word of God. Like Gideon, Nehemiah demonstrated a message from God to ignite a people and save a nation. Amen. Jesus also provides us the same reassurances, the same patience, and the same confidence communicated in both Gideon and Nehemiah. Look at how often Jesus had to explain or re-explain to his disciples when preparing them. Look at all the signs and the miracles that Jesus did within his own ministry just to validate who he was. We weren't willing to accept him as the Son of God until he reassured us that he is the Son of God. Remember that storm on the boat when the disciples freaked out and they thought they were all going to die? This prompted Jesus to say to them in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, Why are you fearful, you of little faith? And then Jesus walked out and calmed the sea. You of so little faith applies to each of us during our own fearful storms. There's no greater example right now than COVID-19. COVID is is our violent storm that we are fearful of. And as we panic by the waves of variants, we cry out to Jesus to awaken and save us. And Jesus is right here. And after he addresses this storm, he's going to ask you, where is your faith? Is your faith in the vaccine or is it in the source of life? Amen. Let's examine another example of Jesus. Let's look at the time that Jesus was in Capernaum. At this time, Jesus had already done various miracles and most recently fed 5,000 people and taught them about the bread of life. Despite everything, Jesus has literally shown them they still had doubt. They still had questions. In chapter 6 of John, we learn in verse 41, it is written, Then the people began to complain in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, son of Joseph? We know his father and his mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? And if you keep reading in verse 52, you learn that the people then began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us the flesh to eat, they asked. Now you may remember a few weeks ago when we discussed people discrediting the Bible because they would apply the words literally. All these free thinkers out there with their fancy educations and, and logic think they're special with their new ideas. Spoiler people have always attempted to use the words of Jesus to discredit who he was and discredit the word of God. That's not a new idea. It's been around since the beginning. This is also an example of how we have a hard time processing God's word at times. And we become afraid of what's being taught to us. As a result, we can share and relate to the perspective of these people when they say, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? How many of us struggle with the difficulty of following God's word? And if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's hard to follow at all. You're lying to yourself. This is a very difficult road to walk, and Jesus straight up tells you that. It's because of this difficulty that we can relate to those described in chapter 6, verse 66, when many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Why? Because they could not comprehend the idea that they were listening to the Son of God, and that terrified them. They needed that reassurance that he was who he said he was. And then they realized it's just easier to walk away than it is to put in the effort. It's so much easier for us to chill out and entrench ourselves with our social media life to keep our focus on the pursuit of our happiness than it is to follow the word of God. It's not until we receive the reassurances of God's calling do we receive the bread of life that gives us the confidence to press on despite our fears and anxieties. Jesus gives us the same reassurance, the same equipment, the same patience. The same support as communicated to us in the stories of both Gideon and Nehemiah. Amen. Amen. Now, as my friend and I stood at the beginning of this dark path, there was no turning back. Fear, whatever lurked in those woods, taunted us. So, recognizing we're going to do this together, we armed ourselves. We found two sticks, one for each of us, and we had one glow stick to share between us. Armed and together, we confidently walked, briskly, through the wooded area, safely to the other side. Now, regardless of your scary path, no matter the situation you are facing, you are not alone. You are a member of the body of Christ, but instead of sticks we are given a sword. Instead of glow sticks, we are given the light of the world, which empowers us to walk together with confidence and carry out the tasks God has given us to do, which gives us the reassurance to keep building our walls for our temples, to keep working together in the name of God, to keep our focus on our Lord and Savior amen amen this week please join me in prayer for our country and the world who continue to grapple with COVID 19 and other various worldly disasters as america watches afghanistan and the turmoil surrounding it lord we pray that you just continue to reach out and touch the families of everyone involved i also want to be clear that i'm not against vaccines Some of us have accepted the vaccine as a tool given to us by God to combat the virus. The reassurance we need to keep moving forward. And I will disclose, I have not received the COVID-19 vaccine. And this isn't because I think the virus is a hoax or some other conspiracy theory. I have simply reached a point that my faith needs to be placed in Jesus. I'm not saying that if you receive your vaccine you have no faith in Jesus. I'm just pointing out that you need to reassess your relationship with Christ. And if you're putting your faith in anything else but God, you're putting your faith in a misplaced situation. Now, I know someone with asthma like myself could, COVID could put me in the grave. And the thought of leaving my wife and children behind is terrifying. There's a liberating feeling when we acknowledge that we're all going to die. That when our time comes, it's our time. And there is no vaccine, there's no diet, there's no special formula that is going to change that. The men helping and women helping Nehemiah rebuild the walls knew the threat of death. But they placed their faith in God. The men with Gideon knew that they were vastly outnumbered but they place their faith in God. That's why this week I want you to live as if each day is your last. And instead of arguing for the things of tomorrow, I want you to love that person for today. Keep praying for the civil unrest that continues to plague us and pray for the direction within the body of Christ. Continue to rebuild your walls of your inner temple by arming and defending yourself from the enemy. Don't be afraid to sound the trumpets when you are attacked. But most importantly, don't ignore the call for help when your brother and sisters are calling and reaching out to you. Continue to focus on how you're living your life and ensuring that your inner temple is operational. If you're in need of prayer or you know someone in need of prayer, please email the underscore calling at hotmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, email the underscore calling hotmail.com. I, I do look forward to speaking with you. God is calling you with reassurance. Will you answer?